0: Well, please open with me this morning in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. Um, as we start here to, to walk through uh, chapter 23, we're going to see it just contains some of the harshest, the most cutting Words that Jesus ever spoke in his thirty-three years on this earth, and uh, these harsh words are directed towards the scribes and the Pharisees, the the religious leaders of the Jewish world. Now, as we worked our way through this this book of Matthew, um, we know that this is is not something that's just come out of nowhere. Okay, this isn't abrupt. This has been, been building for quite some time. Um, this, this conflict between Jesus and these religious leaders. We see, for example, back in, in chapter 9, the, the scribes accused Jesus of blasphemy. Blasphemy is a, a word that means speaking uh, irreverently or, or profanely about. God. It would be to accuse him of, of being things that he's not or doing things that he does not do. So if you um, accuse God of, of being a liar or being ignorant of things or, or being cruel or hateful, that, that's blasphemy because he's not any of those things. Um, or blasphemy can be, as, as the case here in chapter 9, can be to claim to be something that only God can be or to do something that only God can do. And Jesus had just, just told this man that his sins were forgiven. And forgiving sins is something that only God can do. And so, um, therefore, he's accused of blasphemy. So you see, very early in the book of Matthew, there, there's going to be this tension and eventually this, this conflict and this confrontation between Jesus and these leaders. Later on in chapter 12, Jesus goes and he heals a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees, after witnessing this, it says that they went out and conspired against him and sought to destroy him, to murder him, to kill him, to get rid of him. And as we get to this final week in the life of Jesus, the week of his passion or of his suffering and his death, we we see that Jesus goes and he starts healing in the temple. And it says in verse 15 of chapter 21 that when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and they heard the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant, intensely, vehemently angry with him. A few verses later we read Jesus was also Teaching in the temple. And it says that as he was teaching, they came up and they asked him, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? And really, truth be known, they viewed themselves as the authority. So, so in other words, they're saying, who gave you permission to come in here and to do this? We didn't. So who do you think you are coming into our temple and teaching and preaching this? So again, this confrontation, this conflict with Jesus. It seems been stewing for a while. And then chapter 22 records that several times the Pharisees tried to discredit Jesus. And they did this by asking him questions. Um, and, and they would do it in a very public way. So that they might trip him up and, and, and make him look foolish. And we read at the end of chapter 22, finally Jesus turns the table on the Pharisees and he asks them a question. And it says in verse 46 that after Jesus asked his question, no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. So at the end of chapter 22, this is it. Right? The little cat and mouse games are over. The seeking to catch Jesus off guard and make him look foolish is over. No more games to be played. And so in chapter 23, Jesus begins to speak very directly. And he he takes the gloves off. very blatant. In a very blatant way, he tells them the truth of who they are. And he rebukes them and, and he reprimands them for their actions and for their wickedness of heart. But before he begins to address the scribes and the Pharisees directly, he addresses the disciples. And he addresses the crowds around him about the scribes and Pharisees. And he does this in verses 1 through 12. So please look there with me this morning. Follow along as I read. It says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, And greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself, Will be exalted. So in these verses, we see Jesus teaching his disciples and teaching the crowds what not to do. That can be very helpful, can it? I mean, positively being told and taught what to do is helpful. But so is negatively being told and taught what not to do. And we see this in verses 2 and 3. There Jesus tells the the disciples and the crowds that they are to do and observe whatever the scribes and the Pharisees tell them insofar as they are teaching the law of God that was written and given through Moses in the Old Testament. That's what sitting on Moses' seat means in verse 2. As long as they were speaking and teaching that which is in the law, the disciples and the crowds were responsible to know it and to do it and to observe it. And that's because the law of God is the law of God, right? It doesn't matter who's teaching it. If a false teacher teaches that which is true, it's still true. So as far as it is the law, they are to do it. However, when the scribes and the Pharisees, when they go outside of the law, they begin to add to the law They begin to find clever ways to actually get around the man-made laws that they themselves have set. Jesus' disciples are not to do what they do. They're not to be like them. And then at the end of verse 3, Jesus gives this just scathing rebuke of the scribes and the Pharisees. And he says, for they preach, but do not practice. I mean, I can't really think of anything else that, that someone could say to really cut deeper than that as a, as a pastor or as a, a believer as a teacher just as a human being to have your character and your integrity evaluated and to have someone comment on it and say he talks a good game but but he doesn't do it being labeled a hypocrite a fake a phony a counterfeit you know passing yourself off as something you're not there's There's no respect for a person like that. There's no credibility. There's there's no ability for a person like that to to impact or or facilitate change in in someone else's life. And that's exactly who these scribes and Pharisees were. And so Jesus instructs his disciples and he instructs the crowds to not be like them. And then this morning we're going to look at the the verses that follow from verses 4 to Uh, verse 10, we're going to look at three ways that the disciples of Jesus should not be like the scribes and the Pharisees. Three ways that they are to be different than who these scribes and Pharisees were. The first of these is that unlike the scribes and Pharisees, disciples of Jesus are to lead compassionately. They are to lead compassionately. Look with me at verse 4. Jesus says there, Scribes and the Pharisees tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. One Probably the best illustration that I have heard here uh, about this is from Pastor John MacArthur, and he, he talks about, um, you know, when you go to Asia or, or the Middle East and some of those places where they still use donkeys and camels and animals like that to, to carry things and to transport goods. And he said that from what he's seen, and um, as we, Stacy and I have been there and traveling from what we've seen, it is amazing. I mean, these people are masters at being able to pile this stuff up on this animal. I mean, it's incredible. They, I mean, it can get 10 feet high. I mean, you got stuff hanging off the sides of them. And it just completely weighed down to the point, a lot of times you can't even see the animal anymore. But then you look, and the owner of the animal is what? Just casually walking beside it. Just walking beside nothing in his hands, not carrying anything. Everything is on that animal. And it's just a great physical picture of what the scribes and the pharisees were doing spiritually to the people they were loading all of this spiritual weight of man-made laws and rules and regulations on top of those that were under their care just piling them on weighing them down and then they were walking along with the people just carefree with no burden at all A lot of times these burdens did take the form of, as we said, additional laws added to God's law given in the Old Testament. And the scribes and the Pharisees would then say that people had to obey these things in order to be made right with God. And so we can look at an example of this, um, of what the the scribes and the Pharisees would do. So take, for instance, um, Exodus 20 commandment about the Sabbath, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. And so this is the law of God. But then what the the scribes and the Pharisees would do and how they would go beyond this is they would look at it and go, well, what defines work? What what does that mean? What constitutes work? And so they would come up with the parameters that defined work. And so they would add additional things, additional restrictions, what, what you can and cannot do on the Sabbath. And we see the Pharisees seeking to enforce their definition of work in Matthew 12. Um, Here the, the scribes and Pharisees had, they charged Jesus and they charged the disciples with breaking the law of the Sabbath because they quote unquote worked by picking grain and eating it. They were walking through a field and they were hungry so they picked the grain and ate it. And after being accused of this, Jesus tells them, in verse 7, If you had known what, it, what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is saying, you don't have a clue what it actually means to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. If you did, you would have not condemned my disciples who are guiltless of breaking this command. So that's one example. Later in chapter 12, Uh, We've already looked at this verse previously, but but Jesus healed the man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. And again, the Pharisees come in, and this time they they say it in the form of a question. But they, they ask him a question in order to trap him, in order to accuse him of breaking the Sabbath. And they ask him, is what you're doing lawful to do on the Sabbath? In response, Jesus says this. Which one of you has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. In other words, using your ability to alleviate the suffering of another human being does not violate the Sabbath command. And remember, these are, are scribes, These Pharisees, they're the spiritual leaders of the people. So therefore, the people look to them as the the experts and leaders of the faith. So if if these leaders said that this is what must be done in order to have a relationship with God, that's what the people did. And it was just a heavy burden placed on the backs of the people. For example, as we talked about, they had to remember and obey how far you could walk on the Sabbath, what you can and can't cook on the Sabbath, what you can and can't read on the Sabbath. All of these little man-made laws and traditions, just rule after rule after rule. And the people were led to believe that breaking these man-made rules affected their relationship with the Lord. And so you can imagine the, the spiritual anguish the, the false guilt that would bring on someone who is genuinely seeking to know the Lord, who is genuinely seeking to obey Him, to walk with Him. It's just hateful on the part of these scribes and Pharisees. Now, Matthew Henry said it this way He said, Witness their many additions to the law of the fourth commandment by which they made the Sabbath a birth on men's shoulders, that which was designed to be the joy of their hearts. They had taken that design for joy and made it a burden. Thus with force and cruelty did those shepherds rule, the flock. And to add to this, look with me at the, the end of verse 4. There Jesus says that the scribes and Pharisees are not willing to move them with their fingers. Uh, the word move here might actually better be translated as remove, as in taking away the weight of the burden uh, of the man na- made, uh, mandates that they had placed on the people. In other words, they saw the burden they had created, and they didn't care. Complete callousness of heart. Uh, Mark brings this out, actually in his account, of the healing of the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath. He writes this. And he, being Jesus, looked around at them. He looked at the Pharisees with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. This cruelty, this lack of compassion for the the spiritual state and the spiritual suffering of the people is the exact opposite of what we see in Jesus. You remember Jesus talked about this back in chapter 11 of Matthew when he said this, Come to me, all who are lab- who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is to be the heart attitude of the disciple of Jesus, to, to compassionately seek to share with their people this this Jesus who gives rest to the burden and to the heavy laden. This Jesus that's gentle and will, will give rest to the soul. This soul many times it has tried for so long to achieve a relationship with God through the keeping of laws and rules. The way to peace with God is not through religious observance, of laws and regulations, but through coming to the Savior who truly gives rest. And so the first thing we see here is Jesus tells his disciples what not to do. Is that they are not to rule and to lead the way the Pharisees do. The second point we see this morning is that unlike the scribes and Pharisees, disciples of Jesus are to honor the Lord discreetly. Honor the Lord discreetly. We see this in in verse 5. If you look there with me, Jesus says, They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. Phylacteries were these small uh, leather boxes, And the Jews would, and they still do, um, they would strap them to their forehead and strap them to their arms. And they would have these small pieces of parchment in them that would have verses of Scripture from the Old Testament written on them. Um, And this, I know it sounds and may seem strange to us, but it comes from the commands of God in the Old Testament, like, Deuteronomy 6, and we read there, it says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. So the Jewish people took this very literally. And so therefore they would make these little boxes on, on their foreheads and on their hands. Um, To do this, you can see the the gentleman there on the screen. So they would have these boxes and and they they pray and have this scripture written in them. Jesus also mentions here the the fringes of their garments. And he says that they make them extra long to be seen by all the people. And again, this practice of having fringes or or tassels on their garments comes from the Old Testament of, of passages like uh, Numbers 15 that says, Speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. And so they have these boxes on their heads and and on their hands. They have these tassels on their garments that are extra long and they they do this to, to to show their supposed piety and their their reverence for God. But in all reality, it was empty, completely empty. It was was only to be seen by other people. It wasn't to honor the Lord, but it was to promote themselves. Jesus talked about this earlier in, in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount. And he said this. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen By others. All different examples of the same principle and the same point. Today, no doubt, Jesus would say something like, Do not post it all over Facebook like the hypocrites do. That's not how disciples of Jesus conduct themselves. They honor him and they serve him and they worship him discreetly. Privately, They do it to please and honor the Lord, not to be applauded by other people. So they lead compassionately. They honor the Lord discreetly. And the third point that we want to see this morning is that unlike the scribes and Pharisees, disciples of Jesus are to carry themselves humbly carry themselves humbly. We see several examples of the the pride of the Pharisees here in in verses 6 through 10. Jesus says they want the place of honor at feasts, want VIP treatment, they want the the best seats, they want reserved seats in the synagogues, they want elaborate greetings in the marketplace when people see them, they want people to, to make over them whenever they're seen in public. Now we know when we, we look at some of these things in and of themselves um, are not inherently wrong in a way like if, if someone desires to to have a party to honor you, right and they um, request that you have the place of honor for something that you've accomplished at that party, like I don't retirement or, or something like that, there's nothing wrong with having a, that kind of thing there's If you go into worship and and someone has a a place that they would request that you would sit, right? Like we would do it sometimes with, if missionaries visit, right? We might ask them to sit up front. We might recognize them during the service in some way. It's not not an issue there. Somebody sees you in public and and greets you and, and introduces you to other people. There's nothing wrong with that either. The issue is here with the Pharisees was their desire for these Things, the the craving to be made much of. And this is one that we all fight. Every single person that has ever set foot on this planet has been tempted to make much of themselves and to desire to be made much of by others. We all do, we all fight that. We also see in verses 6 through 10, the scribes and the Pharisees desired titles. Titles and status. They love to be called rabbi and, and father, as, as far as their Jewish teaching goes, fathers of the faith. And, and they want to be called instructor. Again, the point is that there's not an issue with having titles or positions of authority. We have that. In our churches, we've got the office of pastor and of deacon. We, we have those that teach and are teachers The issue here is the pursuit of the office, the pursuit of the title, and the honor and the the prestige that comes with that title, and and then just reveling in it, right, or or drawing this supreme satisfaction in having that title. And that's who the scribes and the Pharisees were. Jesus says his disciples are not to be that way. As a matter of fact, in verse 8, he says, you have one teacher and you are all brothers. At the end of the day, when when you boil it all down, when you you strip away everything else, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And if someone has gifts and abilities to teach and to pastor and to to shepherd the people of God, it's only because those gifts have been given by God to be used for His glory. We read in, in the New Testament, apparently those in the church in Corinth were, were really struggling with this, this issue. And, and Paul wrote to them, and this is how he said it. He said, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? In other words, what spiritual gift, what ability, what thing that you excel at did you not receive from God? There's nothing. Everything about us, our physical abilities, our mental faculties, our artistic ability, our spiritual, anything you want to mention, every one of those things has been given to us by God. He's given it to us, and therefore there's no room whatsoever to boast about what we have, to boast about our gifts or our abilities, or the positions that we hold. He's the one who has done it. And then in verses 11 and 12, it's, it's almost kind of like Jesus gives a conclusion to or, or a summary of all that he has just said. Look there with me. Jesus says, The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Now, don't misunderstand the way that this is worded. Okay, I thought... Um, Dr. Leon Morris, he, in his commentary he, he, write, he said this very well, he writes, that, "This does not, of course, mean that the ambitious person must take care to serve a stint in a lonely place here and now in order to make sure of a good reward in the hereafter." Right? That's not how this works. It's not like you grin and bear it now so you can really get the payoff later. That's not the attitude. It's not what Jesus is saying. There's no humility in such an attitude. Jesus is looking for genuine lowliness. The attitude of the person who is not seeking personal gain of any sort, but simply the opportunity of doing service. This goes against and completely contrasts the mindset and the heart attitude of the scribes and Pharisees Jesus is talking about. To be the servant or the waiter at the banquet instead of the guest of honor. To be in the worst seat in the synagogue instead of the best seat. To have the the, the attitude of a student or an apprentice seeking to to learn and to soak up information instead of seeking to be called rabbi or father or instructor. And of course, the the ultimate example that we have of, of serving is Jesus himself. God the Son in human flesh. Earlier, Jesus had to address this idea of pride and of self-exaltation when um, two of his disciples, James and John, brought their mother to Jesus and to ask him that they can sit on his right and his left when he came into his kingdom. After this, Jesus said words that are very similar to the words in our text this morning. He said, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant." And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give His life as a ransom for many. Greatness in the kingdom of God is not seen in titles. Or in achievements. Or in a status or things accomplished. Greatness. In the kingdom comes through humility. As Pastor Carey has mentioned this morning in the, their Sunday school class, going through the book of Philippians, and we see this, this Christ hymn in Philippians 2, where it says, This Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Very different mindset, very different attitude, very different approach to life than these scribes and Pharisees that Jesus addresses in chapter 23. So this morning as we look at these words of Jesus and we reflect on what they mean and we reflect on applying them to our own minds and our own hearts and our own lives may we be disciples of Christ that lead compassionately whether it's leading here at church whether it's leading at home with with our families whether it's leading it at our jobs where there's an opportunity to lead the family or or class or church. May we not increase burdens upon people. But may we take them to the one whose yoke is easy and whose burden is light. May we take them to the one who gives rest to men's souls. May we be disciples that seek to, to not parade our accomplishments for the Lord in front of others and in order to, to draw attention to ourselves. But rather, may we be disciples that, that honor Him sincerely. We honor Him when no one is looking, when there's no earthly benefit, when, when no one will ever even know. May we give ourselves to the honor of the Lord because He is worthy of our praise and our adoration. And may we be disciples who carry ourselves with great humility. Knowing that, as Scripture says, we were bought with a price. That we're saved by grace through faith and it's not our own doing, but it's the gift of God. It's not a result of works of anything we've done exactly because it is done that way so that no one, may boast, as Paul writes in Ephesians. And in 1 Corinthians, again, he wrote this, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. Why did he do that? Verse 29, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, because of God the Father, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption, so that as as it is written, that the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. It's all about Him. This week, as we go, may we seek to be faithful disciples of Jesus in this week to come. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful this morning for your word. We're thankful for Jesus as the perfect teacher. Here teaches what not to do. We pray that we would seek to be compassionate, to be humble. Father, to to obey these commands of Scripture that you have given. Lord, we all struggle with wanting to be great, with wanting to be noticed. Father, help us to fight the pride of our hearts and to exercise and to conduct ourselves with humility. And so, Father, we thank you for this morning. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.